0: Thank you, Janice. Echo in the words of Paul, Romans chapter twelve, beseech you, brother, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Thank you so much for the reminder of that. We are continuing in our series entitled "Grow." So we started about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and uh, we looked at that the the work of God in a Christian's life is that they grow. They don't just stay the same. Something happens and they are changed. And we, we studied this that the goal is Christ likeness. The goal of growth, and Paul uses this a metaphor that we can understand the idea of plants growing, hence the plant in the background of the slide. Uh, the plants growing, we understand this, and he says the goal is to be more like Christ, which terms Christ likeness. That is the goal of growth, to look more like Christ. So, in this series, we've looked at what the biblical writers tell us are the characteristics. So, a growing believer is this. A growing believer, we looked at, serves. A growing believer has mercy. This morning, we're going to look at another one, but before we do, let's bow and ask God's help to pray as we pray. Gracious God, we thank you for who you are, for the work that you do in our hearts. And Father, you have brought us here today at an appointed time to hear your word. And so, Father, I pray that I do not get in the way, that my words fall away, that do not conform to what you have. But, oh, great God, would your word do a mighty thing in our hearts. And would you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just open our hearts of understanding so we can see what what you have for us today. And may you be glorified through it all. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'm going to put a word on the screen, and you may or may not like it. Or you may say, yes, that's good, but you may say, ooh, that's kind of hard. You ready? Okay. Drum roll, please. All right. Yeah, no, no, no. Holy. What do you think about when you see the word holy? Uh, maybe you think of someone like this. Uh, someone who is, uh, you know, in the robes, and he's got a halo around him, and maybe he's a saint, you know, at some point. Maybe you have a a religious symbol in mind. Well, holy, Holy Spirit, dove, that kind of thing. What do you think of when you think of the word holy? See, sometimes we have a negative connotation to holy. Maybe it's not the symbol, maybe it's not the person, but maybe we have an aversion to the word. Maybe we we have met someone who claimed to be holy, but they weren't. Who instead were pious acting, but... Wow, their life to people was anything but holy. Maybe we're put off by the word because it's, it's only reserved for the super Christian type people, right? Only they, after many years and, and many laborous um, calluses on the knee, they become holy, right? And that's so, that seems like an awful lot of work to us. Or maybe it's, we think it's old fashioned. That's old facts, you know, that's the old days. Holiness was for another generation, another era. Or maybe holy sounds like legalism. Well, don't make me to be holy because that's just, you know, don't ask me to do anything like that. Holiness isn't really culturally relevant, is it? Or maybe you think this. I don't have to be holy because Jesus died for me, and so he over, God overlooks my sin because of Jesus. And so I'm good, I do what I want, and, and i gotta, I got to... I've got to get out of jail card free. Holy. Don't ask me to be holy. It's just too much work. But throughout Scripture, we have this concept of holy, of holiness, really given to us throughout all of the pages of Scripture. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, this idea, this concept of holy, is illustrated to us in various ways. And so this morning, I want us to come to the point where we understand that the Bible and the concept of holiness may be misunderstood in the past, but maybe from God's word we see clearly today is something that you and I, if we're a follower of Christ, if we, we hold our hand up and say, Yes, we follow Christ, we've we've come to repentance. We've turned from our sin, we've asked and we trusted in Christ, in faith for our salvation. Now, you can be holy. So what is holiness? Let's work through that. Holiness. Well, you see the concept in the Old Testament first, in a Hebrew word, kadosh. And that word means or has a meaning for us is set apart or separate. And it wasn't just something that I set this aside but it was set apart unto something, or someone was set apart from other other things or other people. And most commonly, this idea was set apart, used of God. God was holy. He was separate from those things which were profane. So in the Old Testament, the focus of holiness is God. It's always God. The focus of holiness is God Himself. And so we have Psalm 99.3. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is He. And you begin to see the picture from God from the beginning, from Genesis 1 all the way through the, the Old Testament. That God is holy. He is set apart. He is great. He is awesome. Ten Commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So the name of God was holy because it was attached to God. Psalm nine, the previous psalm. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. For holy is the Lord our God. And so you understand that God is holy. He is holy. The things of God are holy. That unfolds later. In Exodus, uh, earlier in Exodus, you see, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, speaking of the nation of Israel. See, God chose Israel and brought them out of Egypt to be his people. And he says, you shall be a holy people to me. Don't leave your clicker in your pocket facing the thing or it turns off. He, uh, He said, you will be a holy people to me. And you shall be my kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words you speak to the sons of Israel. You are to remind them of this. And so we understand in these passages that God is holy. Not only God is holy, but the nation of Israel. Not only the nation of Israel, but the land that God gave them was a land separate, set apart from the nations of the world. So that God would work in the the lives of His people to separate them. And this separation was a separation of spiritual of a spiritual nature. It was a separation. They separated themselves from, the, from other nations, not because the other nations were, were funny looking or there was some other problem, but because the other nations did not follow God. They separated themselves from the, because they wanted to follow God. So not only the nation, the land, but the city of Jerusalem was a holy city set apart to God. And then from the tabernacle into the temple, that was set apart as holy unto God. So we have this concept in the New, the Old Testament: that God is holy, His name is holy, His people are holy, and the land that God gave them was holy. This is the holiness of God. The holiness of God result of the holiness of the the holiness of God resulted in holiness for the people. But if you do know the story of Israel, they rebelled. They sinned. They did not see God as holy. They did not separate themselves unto Him. And they rebelled. And so you had the, the, the captivity, the punishment of, of going dispersed to other lands. That's the Old Testament. God is holy. New Testament there's a different word. And the word um, that is often... Uh, so the Greek translation of the Old Testament uh, uses this word also. And This word is this, of the same idea, to be separate, to be holy, to be set apart. Holy or sacred, dedicated to God, has also the idea, as the Old Testament, of purity. And so in the New Testament, this idea of holiness is first presented in Jesus himself, and he is presented as the Holy One. Echoing the prophets of the Old Testament, He is the Holy One of Israel. So Jesus is now the Holy One. He is holy. But now we see because of Jesus, holiness takes on a personal dimension for each one who follows Jesus. So the New Testament, it goes from the holiness of God being separated unto God because God is holy. Now to because Jesus came, these who love Jesus, who follow Jesus, have God within him. So you have the temple in the Old Testament. God dwells in the temple. Now, Paul will tell us, the writer of Hebrews will tell us that God dwells in the believer, the one who follows Jesus, who has come to a saving knowledge. So now, God doesn't dwell in a building. God dwells in a person, in, in each individual who knows Christ. As well as he dwells in heaven. And so what you, you have here is like 1 Peter 1, 15-16 echoes Leviticus eleven forty four. The commands now become be like the Holy One who called you be holy yourselves in all of your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So we have the, the, the admonishment to be holy because God is holy. But how does that how does that practically apply to the believer, to the one who follows Christ. And and if uh, you say, you know, Stacey, I'm not a a believer today, just listen because I think it'll be interesting to you. Um, We'll give you what we should be doing, okay? So you'll understand what we aspire to. We don't always make it, but I think you'll understand of what God desires for us and what God desires for you also. Now, there's a focus not only being set up but a focus on holy living. So holy and focused living unto God. There is a moral component. We'll get to that next. But there is a focus now in the New Testament of living life for Jesus. Living unto. Now when you were a Jew in the Old Testament, that was pretty clear. Everything revolved around the temple, around feast days. You stopped, work because of a a week of feasts, of praising God, of celebrating God, of what He has done. So all of culture was wrapped up there, of the Jewish. Now, we're not in a Jewish culture. We're not in a culture, in a lot of ways, that has any understanding or any desire to follow anything Christian. And so the focus for us individually and corporately as a body of believers is a focused holy living. How does that work? Well, Understanding, of uh, first of all, that we are gods. We have been set apart unto God. We've been set apart unto God. Uh, it's uh, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It is because of the sacrifice of Jesus that we now have Christ in us. And so our life set apart in Jesus is made possible only by Jesus' sacrifice. So you think, okay, I have a focused holy life. I can work really hard, and I can be, I can be God's child because I work hard and because I'm holy. And Scripture says no. No, that's not how... You don't work, holy, you don't work hard to be holy so that you are holy, and you, the God will accept you. That's, that's not it. You are God's because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross... And you become holy because of His work. And you grow in that. And so it overflows in all of our lives of of a holy life focused on living holy for God. Colossians Paul, the Apostle Paul writes, You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so a focused life and holy living is a life that is being at one mind with Christ. Christ with knowing what Christ has, has done for you, and how to live that out, His desires. And so it becomes a very important thing to us, as Paul says here to the, to the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm flesh and bone, I'm here in the body, I, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live that life out because of God, because of my faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's all because of Christ. The the beginning point is all because of Christ. We cannot have a holy focused life. We cannot have a a pure moral life without Jesus Christ. The starting point of holiness is faith in Christ. And so Paul gives that to us. And we've we've come to understand through Scripture that all of our life is to be lived out for Christ. He is to live out, as, as the writer once said, his life through me, through you. It's not some super magical, mystical thing. It's that I think the mind of Christ. What would Christ have me do? How would Christ have me react in this situation when people laugh at me, make fun of me, or people injure me, or people wrong me? How would Christ respond? I'm living out the life of Christ. And that's one, focused, holy living. Holy living focused on Christ. But the second one is holy in moral living. That is that understanding of a life set apart unto purity. Okay? The life set apart unto purity. And as Paul talks about it, it's a putting on and a putting off. And We'll get to that in a second. Let's go first to uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Would you turn there for me? 2 Corinthians 7, 1. And have your finger on the previous six or seven verses because we're going to look there also. And 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he gives us this verse. He said, Therefore, having these promises, and we'll look at what those promises are in a second, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God or the reverence of God. Therefore means we have to go back up previous to so that point, the prior verses, and figure out what the therefore is. And so if you go back up, let me turn there myself to 2 Corinthians, you start to look at verse 14. And 14 starts with this. He says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. And we're going to set the context of this is, is those in, in marriage, those in partnerships, do not be bound together, especially in marriage with unbelievers. Okay, so this is it. But, but why? Just because, you know, you don't want to be nice to them? Why is that? Well, he begins to make these, this contrast about this. And he uses these words. He says here, and I'll read through the, through the verse there. For what partnership have righteousness with lawlessness? A partnership. Or what fellowship, the word koinonia, the idea of uh, participation together... What participation or partnership have righteousness with, lawlessness, uh, uh, with lawlessness, lawlessness? Or fellowship with light with darkness? I'll get there. So here, righteousness, lawlessness. lawlessness, Light with darkness. As I list my, my way through. Uh, or what harmony has Christ with Belial? which false God? Okay, so light, dark, righteous lawlessness, Christ, Belial. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Things are, are different. What agreement? As a temple of God with idols. Continue the contrast. Okay? Now, interesting, the word harmony is the word we get, uh, symphony. What does a symphony have to do? Well, you have to fo- play together. You follow someone, and they play together. You have the conductor. And they should be watching, or else they'll get upset. <clears throat> and that's not a good thing. For You don't want to conduct the maestro to get upset. And so you have this, this juxtaposition between two things, light and dark, righteousness, lawlessness, Christ, a false god, a believer, an unbeliever. But look what he continues to say. For God has said, I know, for, for we are the temple of the living God, verse 15, 16, rather, just as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from the midst and separate. This is quoting the Old Testament. Says the Lord, "And do not touch what is unclean, and I will be a, a welcome you, and I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters to me," says the Lord Almighty. And the seventeen and eighteen are the promises of God. You will be my children. Those are the promises. Verse seven refer, uh, verse one and chapter seven referred to is that you will be my sons and daughters. And so now you're in the, you're beloved. You're in Christ. And so, going back up on these things, the, the being bound, he goes in verse 7 now, cleansing inside and out, perfecting or completing holiness. And if you really want to dig down to it, um, the word, idea of perfecting is a simultaneous participle. Ha, how's that? Uh, that means perfecting, you're doing it at the same time. Okay, you, see, I didn't have to give the word participle except for you English people, okay? So it's doing it at the same time. We can be cleansing our life of of the things that defile us, and we also can be perfecting holiness, and we should be at the same time. And this is the work of God. He says, therefore, beloved, because of the promises, because that you are now beloved in Christ, because you are now His child, shall be doing these things. Cleansing. Perfecting. Paul also, I love this because it's something easy. We, we, we understand this idea the putting on and putting off, okay? I put off my jacket okay, and I put on my jacket. And he talks about putting on the things of Christ and putting off the things of Satan, of the world, the lying, the hatred. And so he goes through a lot of different things. This idea of holiness is for us, who are followers of Christ. But you say, well, Stacey, I, I understand, but, but why be holy? Why even focus on this? Because, you know, it's, it's not really like a popular thing to do. Well, I'd say very simply, number one, why be holy? It's the reason Christ died for you. It's the reason. You're probably still in 2 Corinthians. Go back to chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Okay. 14 and 15. <clears throat> for the love of Christ controls or propels, impels us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, that one was Christ, therefore all died. And he died for all. Jesus died for us so, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. Understand what Paul's saying. If you are Christ's, He died for you. So no longer live for yourself. Live for Him. He rescued you. He freed you from the chains of sin. And so now, live for Him. That's the very purpose. He rescued you. He died for you so that you might live Unto Him or for Him. And that's the number one reason that we understand that we must be holy is because Christ has died for us. If you're a follower of Christ, He's died for you. He's made a way for you to be with the Father. And He expects holiness. But secondly, secondly, it's the best way for people to see Jesus in you. We talk about this often. That as we're in our community, we're in our our world, we want people to see Jesus, not necessarily us. We want to see Jesus working through us in a heart of compassion, of love, of mercy, of forgiveness, of grace. And if we're holy, if we're taking on the fruit of the Spirit that comes with holiness, People see Jesus. Well, what happens if we're not? If a believer, and and maybe you've been here, maybe you've seen one who proclaims to be a Christian, and you might have said sometime in the past, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want any part of that. We call that hypocrisy. Saying one thing, doing another. Having a face on, I'll explain the the Greek, uh, the, you know, of, the, of the actors. It's the idea, though, of, of, yeah, they say they're a Christian, but nah. See, holy living is not just for you. It's not some heavenly checklist and gold star by your name. It's people seeing Christ through us. It's seeing the work of God as he works in our heart, and, he, and they see Jesus, not us. They see that person could not possibly be compassionate and gracious except something's happening inside him or her. And that's incredible because I know what I'd do if someone did that to me. And they're gracious and they're kind. And that's not, that's not natural. No, it's supernatural. It's the work of Jesus in a heart. They see Jesus through you. That's incredible. No, it's believable. Jesus is working through us when we are holy. Paul often writes, the Apostle Paul, it's interesting that he'll write in his introduction, a salutation to his letters, different churches. He'll often write to the saints that are in, okay, and you read the letter. And you're like, those people aren't saints because of what he's having to talk to them about. Like, Really? Really, Paul? And he's speaking of what they are in Christ. Of living up to that. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, you are a saint, a holy one of God. A holy one of God. God is your Savior. And you're separated unto God and And now's the challenge, living up to the name. Living up to who you are. And I won't ask you to raise your hand, but that's not easy, is it? No. We all struggle with living up to who we are. Let me bottom line it for you. Because of all the confusion sometimes about this, We have to understand two things about holiness. First, it's expected. It's expected for the believer. For the one who follows Christ, it's expected. Didn't very well make it impactful by holding the last one too. But number two, it's achievable. See and boy, I felt this way too. So you say I can't possibly do what God says and that it's just too hard. It's not that I don't want to. It's just being holy is just too hard. That's a struggle every day. Because my flesh wants to hit back. It wants to fight back. It wants to have my own way. It wants to to go my own path. I have my own ambitions. I want to do all those things that I want to do. And it's just too hard. But I'm here to tell you today that it's achievable. You see, God is a holy and a righteous and a faithful God. And in the command comes the power to obey. These are imperatives, commands. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. As Mark pointed out, God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He has given us the power to do so. Yes, it's expected, but if you're struggling today in this area of holiness, if you say, "Stacy, I've fallen and I've tripped and I've stayed down, I've I prepared a little cave for myself in my unholiness, and I don't think I can get out," if you're a follower of Christ, it is achievable. We're not going to be perfect, okay? Not till we step foot in heaven. That'll be nice. But you can achieve holiness through God's power. You, you can. Not some super, uh, super spiritual Christian, not somebody else that you put up on a pedestal who, who really is just like you. You can, by God's grace and by his power, live holy in this world. And not only expected, it, it is achievable, and people are counting on you. You may be that Christian that someone says, you know what? People say that they're Christian, but she really lives it. He he really lives that. It's not some theory for them. It's actual practice. I see Jesus through that person. So what does it come down to? Like anything... comes down to, will we do it? Will I obey? Will I obey? I can't skate on, well, I'm just going get, to get by. And I can't skate on, well, Christ covers all my sin, and so I can do what I want. I can't skate on that. God's called me through Scripture, faithfully, to be a saint. He's called you to be one, too. Will you? Will you, by God's power, live holy? Will you grow in holiness? I've been crucified with Christ. There's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I live, this focused living for Christ, I now live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me grow in holiness. That's about. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are. There's not a one of us, if we will be honest, who does not struggle in this area. The tensions of the world are there The tensions of life, the busyness of life is there. And so we have a hard time. And so, God, I pray that for that one who is discouraged, who thinks that holiness is not achievable or attainable, or they can't get their first base on that, would you, by your grace and with your faithful love, show them that they can be obedient? It's a step of faith walking daily for the one who's who's just content to live in rebellion would you do a work in that heart it may be painful but do a work in the heart that brings them to confront who you are to see if indeed you are their savior but to see indeed that you they have you in the rightful spot. Oh God, I wonder what we as a body of believers, what a community in Greenville could do if we lived in holiness. We live in such a way that would be not a reproach to you, but we would be overflowing with love and compassion. Doing, not right, doing right not because someone expects us to or we don't want to be seen doing wrong, but because it, it's your nature, we desire to be like you. It's got to work in our hearts. May, us, may we grow and be holy.